You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. They grew mighty in spirit. Now notice it doesn't say strong physically. It says they grew mighty in their spirit man, in their inner man. They grew mighty. They grew up mighty. They grew up cultivating, feeding, strengthening their inner life. They were strong. That's why Jesus could go up against the devil and beat him. That's why John the Baptist could face critic after critic and not back down, not bow, not bend, not break. Do you know that by submitting to God's promises, you experience a life full of His presence? In today's message from Pastor Jeff, uncover the beauty of reciprocating God's love and basking in the radiance of His affection. God's love has no bounds, surpassing all human understanding. Just as He loves you passionately, you must reciprocate by loving Him wholeheartedly. No earthly love will ever compare to the love poured onto you by God. Experience His goodness in a fresh way. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Luke chapter 18 as he begins his message, Don't Quit. Let me tell you something about prayer. There's more promises given to the subject of prayer, given to prayer in the Bible, more promises regarding prayer than any single thing. So we're standing on an incredible foundation of promises when we go into the place of prayer. There's more promises for the prayer than for any single thing. So it must be that God wants us to pray. How many of you believe that God really does answer prayer? But how many of you believe not usually in our time? How many of you have been frustrated with his timing? Come on. I mean, we want it when we want it, what we want, when we want it, how we want it. Amen? But God is not a fast food God. He marinates prayers. Amen? So one of the promises that I want to deal with today is the promise that God gives to the perseverer, to the one who perseveres in the place of prayer. As a matter of fact, Jesus dedicated an entire parable to teach us to pray and not quit. So I want to read that parable to you. Let's look at it quickly. Luke 18, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up or faint. Verse 2, he said, Now in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Sounds like our culture, right? Then, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'm going to see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Now, this lady was bad, as in tough. He's afraid she's going to attack him. And the Lord said, listen to what that unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? How many of you are saved in here? Uh, You believe that you have a relationship with Christ? All right, now if you raise your hand, you're a chosen one. That is, you're chosen. God knew you were coming to him before the foundation of the world. So this is to you. He says, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones 
who cry out to him day and night and night and day. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, listen to this last statement. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now that's a haunting question. And Jesus is insinuating that when he returns, faith is going to be a rare commodity. Faith. Because there's going to be a great apostasy, a great walking away from the faith once delivered to the saints. So Jesus is saying, when I come back, how, where, am I going to find faith in very many places? Now, how many of you want him to find faith in you? Amen. Find faith in you. Now, one way that faith is kept alive is by prayer. He said, behold, I will do a new thing. I will do a new thing. He never says, hang on to the old stuff unless it's the old truths that are always new because they're always fresh. But see, God wants to do new things in our life. Behold, I will do a new thing. Shall you not recognize it, spot it, see it? I'm going to give you a road in the wilderness, and I'm going to give you springs in your desert. He does a new thing. Now, one of the ways he does a new thing is when we begin to pray like we haven't been praying for a while. Prayer launches new things. Amen? Now, I want to unpack this parable and just look at why Jesus gave it. Now, clearly, he gave it to encourage us to not quit praying. Now, if Jesus gave a whole parable for the sole purpose of us not quitting or fainting in our praying, then it must be we're inclined to do that or he would not have given it to us. And we are inclined to kind of pull back on prayer, get lukewarm in prayer, kind of let the prayer fires burn low. We're, we're inclined to kind of go soft on prayer because we get distracted with other things. Life happens while you're making other plans. You got to deal with this. You got to deal with that. Before you know it, your time is all chewed up and you just didn't make it to that prayer closet. So Jesus said, look, I'm going to teach you to pray and never give up. I don't want you to faint in your praying. I don't want you to put up the white flag. I don't want you to walk away in unbelief. I don't want you to get discouraged or disillusioned. I want you to hang with it until God breaks through on your life. So there must be something about prayer that sometimes it takes time. It takes longer than we thought it would, or we wouldn't be inclined to faint. So his parable is teaching us that though our prayers might remain unanswered for a season, we should persevere and not grow weary and inwardly faint. Now, let me tell you, when you're the strongest you'll ever be, you are the strongest you will ever be in life when you're strong in here, when you're strong in your spirit, when you're strong in your interior life. The interior life, what goes on inside of you, is way more important than bulking up out here. All right? Now, I think it's good to stay in shape. I think you need to take care of the body God gave you. But listen, it's as important, way more important, actually, that you stay in shape in here. Our culture is obsessed with out here, the appearances. But a godly person, a wise Christian, is focused on in here because you are as strong as your last time with God. We need to work on a strong interior life. It says about Jesus and John the Baptist, they grew mighty in spirit. Now notice it doesn't say strong physically. It says they grew mighty 
in their spirit man, in their inner man. They grew mighty. They grew up mighty. They grew up cultivating, feeding, strengthening their inner life. They were strong. That's why Jesus could go up against the devil and beat him. That's why John the Baptist could face critic after critic and not back down, not bow, not bend, not break. That's what God is looking for in all of us. We need to focus on that inner man. That's why I'm always saying here like a broken record, we got to be in the word of God every day, but we also need to be in prayer. Jesus is telling us, look, don't faint in your prayer life. Let us not be weary in doing well, doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we faint not. There's that word again, if we faint not. Now, the word faint there means to lose your inner strength. It's when on the inside, you collapse. On the inside, you expire. On the inside, you sigh. And something in you on the inside gives up. And you, you faint on the inside. You might even still be in church. You come into church, you sit down and songs, and you're, you're here, but you're not. You're, your spirit is here, but it's not. You have fainted. Something inside of you has given up. Something has made you quit. Something you have decided, I just can't continue in this fight of faith. And so on the inside, you may look great on the outside. You're dressed nice. You got your hair all slicked back. You got a nice dress or a nice clothes on and, and you look good, but the interior life is hurting. Now, Jesus said, don't faint with your inner strength. The Proverbs say, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength was small. If you're in adversity, if life is tough on you right now, if you faint, then you didn't have good strength. Now, there is a way to stay strong in the interior life. There is a way to stay strong where you are always there for the battle. You're ready to fight the good fight. You are a victor. You are a conqueror. You are not giving up the battle. You are not picking up your marbles and going home. You're not leaving church, not leaving prayer, not leaving the word of God. There is a way to stay there. And here it is. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew. Everybody say renew. Now that means if you renew something, then something was there and then it ebbed. It went away and you're renewing it. You're bringing it back. So they, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You started to faint, but then you wrapped yourself around Jesus. You got into prayer. You got into the word of God. And now your strength is being renewed, renewed. And you've got a continual, unending, inexhaustible source of energy and strength. Look what it says. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will run, but they won't get weary. Wait a minute. What about that? How can you do that? What's that about? How can you run but not get weary? Because you've got a source that isn't of you or from you or by you. It's supernatural. You will run and not be weary. You will walk and not faint. Now, then Isaiah observed something in life. He says, even the youths, the young men, the athletic, ripped young men, even they will faint and fall. But those who wait upon the Lord, who may not look so ripped on the outside, but on the inside, you are muscular. You are strong because you've wrapped yourself around the Lord. Now, one way we wrap ourselves around the Lord is in the place of prayer. Don't faint on the inside, Jesus says. Don't lose your inner strength. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. 
They have a continual source of supernatural energy. Amen? Now, to illustrate this principle, Jesus gives us a story. And he says, let me tell you about a widow who had an enemy. Now, a widow in Jesus' day was in a real pickle, a real hard place. Because a widow was defenseless, typically. She was defenseless. Uh, she was vulnerable to manipulation, to being taken advantage of. She was in a bad place because the man was the provider. In those days, the man was the leader. Uh, the man really was her source. And when the husband died and she became a widow, she was really left to all kinds of things that could take her down and take advantage of her. And it was not a good place to be. And this widow in Jesus' parable was no different because Jesus says she had an enemy. This widow had an enemy. Now, in Jesus' day, a great focus was put on helping widows. If you were right, if you were a just person, you helped widows. Even James said, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless, the orphans, and the widows in their affliction, and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. So James put a premium on helping widows. So here she is, and she's alone, and she's lost her husband, and she's in a real situation. Now, Jesus says she's got an enemy to make matters worse. She's got a real enemy, and the word enemy there, he uses the word adversary. Adversary comes from a Greek word that means accuser. She has an accuser. But when this word was used in Jesus' day, it generally had to do with an opponent in court. It's referring to a legal situation. So we can surmise here that Jesus is talking about a widow who was being taken to court in her vulnerable position by a man who had become an adversary to her. Now, I'm only guessing, but I think it's a good guess, that he was after what little she had left. She lost her husband. Maybe she had a little house. Maybe she had a few little belongings. And this man, this unscrupulous man, is attacking this widow, taking advantage of her vulnerable situation, and he's going after what she has left in court. So she's got a real problem. She is really under the gun. And, and not only that, but she finds herself terribly alone. Her husband had died, and we are not told of any children or extended family that's there to help her. She is totally isolated, totally alone, totally vulnerable, totally under it. And here comes this man, this adversary, and he's after what she's got left. She's looking at being completely destitute if he wins. So in her desperation, she decides to go ahead and enter the legal arena, and she goes in front of a judge. And as if things couldn't get worse, she finds herself before an unjust judge. Whoa. Talk about between a rock and a hard place. I got an enemy coming after me. He's more powerful than me. And I got a judge here who's not just. He's unjust. Really, he's a jerk. Because I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. You'll agree with me. We might just call him a jerk together. But Jesus knew how to paint a picture, didn't he? Now watch this. She goes before this judge knowing the premium that is put on helping widows in her day. 
So she expects justice from this man, this judge. She says to the judge appointed to her, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy, my adversary, my accuser. Give me justice. But Jesus says this judge is cold and heartless. Jesus paints him this way. In a certain town, there was a judge who didn't fear God and he didn't care what people thought. He's a winner. So you know what? This judge was essentially an atheist. He didn't fear God. He was at best an agnostic. He didn't fear God and he didn't care about people. And there he is, this wicked man in a place of power, legal power. And this woman encounters somebody who should care but doesn't care. The deck is totally stacked against her. She has an enemy trying to take everything she has, and she's got a judge who could care less that an enemy is trying to take everything she's got. Now, we're informed that the first meeting she had with him did not go well at all. As a matter of fact, her first meeting with him hurt because Jesus says the judge ignored her for a while. Now think about that. She's about to lose it all. She's got a major enemy. He's coming against her, an adversary in court. She goes before a judge. She knows, you know, you're supposed to help widows. And she gives her case to him. And he does the worst thing he can do. I'd rather you tell me off than do what he did. Because the Bible says he ignored her. He ignored her. She pours out her heart. She pours out her case. She gives him her situation. And he's treating her like, okay, go your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on now. You know, nothing is more frustrating than to have a great need for the right thing to be done on your behalf, only to be ignored by somebody who is supposed to help you. Being ignored hurts. Being ignored is painful. It, it sent a painful message. Here she is. You're all I've got. Please help me. And he ignored her. You don't matter as a human being. That's what ignoring says. You don't matter as a human being. You don't matter. You have no value to me. You're not worth my time. I don't care about you. Go your way. I got better things to do, other fish to fry. You're not important to me. Go on, get out of my sight. You don't matter. It's insulting. It's demeaning. It's hurtful. It's demoralizing to be ignored, to be ignored, to be treated like you're not there, to be treated like you don't matter. So to add insult to injury, this widow who's going through all the right channels for help, she's doing the right thing. She's taking the right track. She's ignored. Now she has a choice. Now listen, life's not fair. Jesus is painting a picture here where life was not fair to her. And you know what? Life's not fair. Can I just give you some news today? Life's not fair. If you don't know it yet, let me tell you, life's not fair. It's not fair. There's all kinds of times when life's not going to be fair to you and to me. I want you to say with me, life's not fair. Now let's add something to it, but God is good. Let's try it again. Life's not fair, but God is good. One more time. I like it. Life's not fair, but God is good. Amen. Amen. Now she says she's experiencing an unfairness, a tremendous unfairness. This judge is supposed to help her. He's not helping her at all. Now, she had a choice. Now, listen, we all have a choice 
of how we're going to respond to the unfairnesses of life. Because it's not what happens to you that matters most. Listen carefully to me. It's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens. How we respond. Because we can't control jerks. We can't control mean people. We can't control manipulators. We can't control haters. We can't control people who treat us unfairly. We can't control the unfair things that happen in life, but we have all the control over how we respond to it. Have you ever noticed that much of Jesus' teaching teaches us how to respond to unfairness? Do good to those that hate you. Now there's something unfair coming at me. I'm hated, but what did Jesus say? Do good. What did he say? He said, bless those that curse you. So here's somebody cursing me. That's not fair. You shouldn't be cursing me. That's not right. But guess what? I can't control your cursing mouth, but I can control my response to your cursing mouth. I can bless you. Pray for those who despitefully use you, take advantage of you, slight you, ignore you. Pray for them. Now notice that Jesus was teaching a response to adversity. He didn't say, I'm going to remove all the adversity for you because he never did promise us a rose garden. But he said, I'm going to tell you how to respond so that it doesn't stick. See, he called us to be Teflon Christians. That is, you can try to offend me. You can treat me unfairly, but I got a secret weapon and it's the teachings of Jesus. So if you curse me, I'm going to bless you. And as soon as I do, that cursing slides off of me like Teflon. Right? I mean, so often he taught response to adversity. Now, this woman had a choice in the unfairness of life. She could walk away hurt and angry and become a bitter and cynical old lady. One offense that we don't handle right can decide the direction of the rest of our entire life. If we don't respond the way Jesus taught, then, then we can really end up, though we're going to heaven one day, our face doesn't tell a great story. Our face is all furrowed in bitterness, shaped by anger, etched by unforgiveness. Let me tell you something. Forgiveness can do what Maybelline could never dream of. Are you ready? It's true. And I know Maybelline's probably not the best, but it's all I remember. But here's the deal. See, righteous living, when you keep your heart free, it does good things for your looks. That's free. Now, she could have walked away hurt and angry and become a bitter, cynical old woman. We know them. We've seen them. They're in our life somewhere. Bitter, cynical old man. Bitter, cynical old woman. Way back when something happened to them and they never got over it, never got past it, never got around it, never got under it, never got through it. Or she could have become a lifelong victim with the attitude life's against me, why try? See, I don't want to ever be a victim. I want to be a victor. Jesus did not call me to be a victim. He called me to be a victor. Now listen carefully to me. Victimhood is chosen. You say, no, Jeff, I have been victimized. Well, of course you have. So did Joseph. But Joseph said, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. I am not going to walk around bitter the rest of my life. Come on, everybody, give God praise. This is true. 
I mean, he was wronged over and over again. And what about our Lord Jesus? Taken through kangaroo court, his beard plucked out, thorns pressed down on his sacred head. Have you ever felt yourself backsliding in your relationship with Jesus? Are there times when you know what God is calling you to do, but you can't find it in yourself to engage? Today, Pastor Jeff showed you the dire importance of wholeheartedly engaging in the Lord's work in every aspect of your life. As you faithfully serve for the cause of Christ, your actions become a testament to God's love and truth. Align your life with God's purpose and invest in heavenly treasures. Here's Diane with some more info about Hardwired. You've been listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Would you be interested in helping support this ministry as we further the gospel? All you have to do is text 817-484-4767 and enter the word GIVE to donate. We're so grateful for your continued support in listening to this program and also investing in the ministry. Once again, text GIVE to 817-484-4767 to GIVE. Here's Daniel one more time with a sneak peek about the next edition. In the next installment of Hardwired, Pastor Jeff highlights the unwavering assurance of God's presence during the storms of life. His love transcends your mistakes, offering strength and solace in times of suffering. No matter what challenges you face, rest in the knowledge that God's faithful support will carry you through. Your faithfulness to Him opens the door to His provision and grace. Embrace the unshakable truth that God is your refuge in every circumstance. That's all we have for today's edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you can download it from our website, hardwired.org. Be sure to tune in again as Pastor Jeff continues teaching through the book of Isaiah next time on Hardwired.